Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Mike's Open Journal uh, and my guest today, which is Danny, who you have just heard from. Uh, it was great to talk to Danny and have a conversation that ran on through around about three hours in the end. So I'm going to warn you now that uh, this is a, a kind of a long discussion uh, and I'm going to split it up into probably two, possibly three podcasts and I'll try and put those out at around the same time. Uh, again, as I mentioned in one of the pre-shows uh, a little while ago, I'm going to try and break up some of these long conversations so it's not all on one podcast. Um, but I'm going to try and give you all of the conversation as well so you do have a chance to, to listen through um, some of the topics that we're talking about and just be involved in that whole discussion really. If for whatever reason uh, you're not interacting as much with some of those conversations, that's fine and you can skip on to some of the other episodes. Uh, but I really hope that you enjoy the conversations that we talk about. As I say, they are very open. We do talk quite a lot about mental health as that is our focus. That's kind of what we're interested in and what is affecting us. But we do talk about other things as well. Some self and Danny did talk uh, a little bit about... Um, what were the general topics we looked at? I think the general topics we discussed were things around healthcare systems uh, in America and the UK. Um, being able to kind of share stories with different people about your own experiences, whatever they may be. Uh, the danger of Googling your healthcare and shared toilets. Mm, so you're going to have to listen to find out about that. Um, obviously, again, lots of different mental health discussions, stories and experiences that we're talking through. Thank you again so much for listening. And if you are interested in coming onto the podcast at a later stage to have a general conversation or talk about a specific issue or your own story, uh, it will be great to hear from you. Uh, as always, the best place to contact myself and the podcast is on Twitter. So I am at Mike underscore Douglas underscore. And you can go direct to the podcast at open underscore journal underscore. So thanks very much for listening and we're going to drop you straight in to my conversation with Danny. Here we go. Hello, hello. Yes, fingers crossed. Are we working now? Yeah. All right. That's... That was quite good because I got a chance to sort of fan myself for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Oh, that was lovely. What was the, what was the, um, what's the difference then? Have you got like a laptop and a computer or? I mean, I've got a desktop. I've got a full, you know, a full like gaming laptop, a big, oh. heavy, big heavy one. And then I've got a little um, convertible half tablet, half laptop sort of thing. And that's what I was using first. And I think it may, maybe wasn't powerful enough. Um, oh, okay. I've also never done this before. You know, I've oh. never hooked up the, uh, the the Blue Yeti microphone. Oh, wow. It's and the fair shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, basically, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully, I don't know, does it sound all right? Yeah, it sounds a lot better than what we had before. Um, okay. Even in the bits where I could hear you, like the, the sound of your voice is a lot clearer. Mm -hmm. um, I think you notice, don't you, like the difference with... Um, once you start using a proper mic, like it makes oh, absolutely, it, yeah, it does make a difference. And I think yeah, and I'm able to plug my uh, headphones into the microphone, so I could hear what I'm saying while I while I'm speaking. Oh, okay, which is nice. Yeah, because uh, then you get a sense of what what it sounds like as well. Yeah, and then I could hear you in in the headphones, and it's yeah. uh, it's a nice little setup. But I mean, I'm actually in bed, <laughs> you know, right now. Not, oh man, I'm that not... sounds so much more relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's not a bad setup. Um, it's it's a little awkward. There's wires everywhere, but uh, oh, hopefully it's a sacrifice you're prepared to make. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I feel that's the thing that's sort of um, 
up until now, I've always been a bit of a hater of laptops. Like I had a laptop a few years ago, and I was like, oh, I just never. Uh, it was okay, but I really prefer being sat at a desktop. Me too. Yeah. Um, but I've noticed that it's fine if you're going to sit there and kind of work on something for a couple of hours, and that's great. Mm-hmm. Actually, a lot of the rest of the time, I'm trying to do stuff on a tablet, and it's because it's a mobile device. It's sort of it doesn't run like a laptop. Yeah, um, and I found that quite limiting, which has been a little bit annoying. And I can see, I can Very see the appeal much, yeah. of having, of having a laptop and working from a laptop now. That, yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends on the size of the laptop too. If you got a nice lightweight one, where you yeah, could that's true. Actually, put it on your lap. I mean, the one that I'm using right now is probably seven pounds. Um, it's it's for it's for gaming. You know, it's yeah. got to act. You it's know, got power. So, yeah, a little bit. It gets really hot and. Yeah, I prefer desktop. I, I like to build computers. I like to be able to, you know, have have a desk and a little setup going. But for the convenience, yeah, laptop, laptop is very nice. Yeah, like you say, having having the desktop, I think you feel a little bit more focused sometimes as well because you've got. Oh yeah, you can get a, a workspace going, and you kind of feel like you're you're plugged into what you're doing, and you've got space around you rather than think when I used to work from a, a laptop a few years ago, like. You always felt a little bit less focused on it because you you use the ability to sort of move around and do different stuff and oh yeah your environment's changing constantly yeah I can whereas see you have a desk it's a workstation you know where you know my pens are over here my yeah you know these wires are always over here that kind of thing yeah yeah less likely to trip <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly right now I've got I've got about three wires wrapped around my leg and I better not move at all or oh. something could go wrong. I don't know. Okay, so no loud sounds to make you jump. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, cool. So uh, I guess kind of similar to when I've started talking to some of the other guys that have come on the podcast, just having a chance to find out a little bit about yourself, Danny, and um, kind of your background with, with mental health and anything that you've done previously to sort of talk about that. Right. I, I mean, this would be the first to... Uh, speak to someone in this kind of yeah setting you know i've never um had it recorded anything like that i have spoken to a lot of people um reaching out almost in a lot of cases to help them more than myself because i'm one of those people who's kind of i'm not going to say beyond help but i've tried almost everything and i know my i know my limits i know what just isn't going to work um so there are other people that i see making some some mistakes i've made things like that and i try to help them instead and that ends up being helpful to me um it's that chance isn't it to talk about it in a and sometimes it's a non-focused way because you can sort of use yourself sometimes as an example yes without really talking about yourself if that makes sense because well sort of yeah i mean i'm fine with talking about uh about myself any question Mm is no big deal but um other people they'll always say oh you don't understand you don't understand what i'm going through and the thing when you suffer is you're able to say as a matter of fact i do understand and they listen to you more mm. when, when you can empathize um and i really like that and it, and it feels nice to you know it feels nice to help people but before i got really sick i was interested in psychology um and i was go- i was going to college for for psychology and and that didn't you know that didn't work out, but um, it's it's one of those things that's nice to uh, to get involved in. And then I saw that your your podcast was was focused on that, and I was mm. like, oh, that's 
you know, I applaud you for for trying to do something like that. And I hope it grows and grows and, um, you know, you get a lot get a lot of awareness out there because yeah, that's, that's what it's about. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very much, like I said, for me, it's that's one of the benefits of, of having something like a podcast rather than a blog. I think it's a lot more interactive. So getting to talk to other people that have experienced issues around mental health and when we say sort of starting that conversation there's lots of different ways that that can be done but um actually having a conversation with people um (laughs) i think is a really good way to do that and and hopefully um obviously people like yourself then listen to uh, certain episodes and then are interested to, to kind of come on and chat and again it continues that for the next person that hears it and associates with certain things that people are involved with um, yeah, and I think that's that's the thing where it's trying to work out what works for different people. And for me, it's always been about trying to start and have those conversations because that's what I found really difficult. Yes. So through things like this, where you get a chance to to hear about um, different stories, different challenges, um, it's really interesting, and it's sort of it's that opportunity again to to talk about some of the stuff that you've had with somebody else that had had similar experiences or slightly different but a similar challenge um and i think that's a great opportunity for well i feel for myself as well as the people that listen yeah i mean it's very easy um to forget that you're not alone Mm. that's something that i've always thought about people who suffer with anything you know um depression anxiety even even minor things that they don't they don't even necessarily know they're suffering so many people think they're alone and then you hear other people talk about it and they think oh that's you know that's so brave or i could relate to that um and then they want to talk about it Mm. and that is great that is a fantastic thing to me um and there's not enough of it it's still it's still stigmatized Mm. in so many ways i think that's one of the things where i see um I don't know. I guess we see it more because we're kind of looking for it. But um, (laughs) you see like a general conversation around mental health. I think especially here in the UK, that's increased, I'd say, in the last year to 18 months. Okay. However, it's more of like a general conversation um, and around sort of certain campaigns or projects that will come up throughout a year rather than um, people sort of not necessarily standing up but people sort of saying well this is my experience and I feel like you really engage with things in a very different way um, rather than someone just talking generally maybe about um, anxiety or depression rather than um, if someone's able to talk about their own story Um, and I kind of compare that to I think back to uh, when you're in school and you have like a I've only just thought of this actually (laughs) when you have (laughs) like a uh, someone that comes to talk to you about careers or the police and things like that and you're like yeah lovely whatever okay fine and you maybe take (laughs) a couple of bits of information from that but if you actually have someone that's come in that has served in a force or has maybe committed a crime and and seen the other side of that or someone that's progressed through a certain career and maybe been made redundant or changed jobs and you actually listen a lot more because they're telling you about a personal story rather than oh this is generally the information about this topic um, and I think it's the same for a lot of different things. So when we're talking about mental health, like great that people are going to talk about, like we say, depression, anxiety, um, ADHD, um, OCD and whatever else. Um, but actually right. having people to come out and sort of talk about their story, I think makes 
a lot more different. It's a lot more difficult, I think, to do because um, obviously for us, that can be quite a personal thing. It can be something that we don't fully understand as well. Yeah, it's very personal in many cases and in most cases. And a lot of people are afraid to uh, to talk about it, plain and simple, just afraid. And it's a bit, uh, going back a little bit on what you were saying about mm. the UK, it sounds like it ha- you have um, a better system uh, beyond the fact that you have proper health care <laughs> um, <laughs> because it, let's let's you know let's be honest it's it's a joke here in America and there's no real uh, proper treatments like for someone like me for example I um, right now I haven't left the house I think today's 203 days in a row and there's not uh, there's not anything for me I, there's nobody I can call up to say can you come visit me here yeah uh, unless you're old, unless you're se- like a senior citizen, 65 years or old or something like that, yeah. there's not really any services or anything. Some some therapists will do, you know, Skype and, and whatever else. But um, it's you're paying somebody $100 an hour to talk on the phone, basically. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't really work for me. I prefer things like this and even just engaging in friendly conversation or it's working out what works for you isn't it and i think yeah some of the people i've spoken to it's very much that they've experienced some things sometimes it's really positive and other times it's really negative and it's trying to draw out the fact that even in those negative experiences at least you've worked out that's something that doesn't work for you right um and it's trying to work out like you say if it's a case of actually at the moment there's no one that comes out to me but um the online stuff that that doesn't work for me but there's some other stuff that does and then I think you end up having to be kind of like your own practitioner a lot of the time and yes very much so which can that can be positive and negative yeah because I'm the kind of person I would be the first to admit that I'm a hypochondriac so you know and everybody does this now correct me if I'm wrong you feel some symptom everyone with and mental illness or even otherwise, you feel some something wrong and you go to the enemy, google.com, <laughs> and you type in what's wrong with you. Yep. And all of a sudden you have cancer and you have, you know, every disease that could possibly exist <laughs> running through your mind. Oh, my gosh, I have this. I have that. I have to go to the doctor. Um, it's not a good thing to do to start looking up. No, I've had a hernia a couple of times, apparently. <laughs> you've had, you've a, had what? A hernia, I think it's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, according to Google. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, Google I mean, knows, Dr. Google knows yeah, best. Yeah, I was pretty impressed, you know. I recovered within a day, so... <laughs> <laughs> that is record-breaking, I, I know, think. I feel like I should be part of some medical journal. <laughs> <laughs> That's, Yeah. Now I got to ask you something. Yeah. How because this relates to me, how um does the whole system of I don't know what you would call it in the UK. Or and are you uh, originally from the UK or I thought yeah. I saw Australia? Yeah, so um I've lived in the UK for most of my life. Uh, okay. I had a year over in Australia where I was originally uh looking at a four-year sponsored visa. Um got halfway yeah. through that process it was really expensive. Um, and decided to to just go across on a working holiday for uh, initially a year, but probably for two, and huh. look at living out there. It, it was really nice, but the job opportunities weren't really available at the time. Um, so for a couple of different reasons, came back uh, and have kind of happily sort of settled at the moment in the UK. But I loved <laughs> Australia, and it's 
but it would very much depend on sort of the opportunities that arose and especially the state that the UK's in at the moment. Um, yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> you look a little bit more favourably at some stuff abroad. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And the same stance from here right now with, you know, Donald Trump and uh, Hillary yeah. Clinton and not not a good place to be at the moment, uh, much of the world. But what I was beginning to ask was yep. how... Um, like I was starting to say, I don't know what you would call it, but here we would call it like a mental hospital, something like that. Oh, okay. Do they do they have something where you can be forced to go stay in a hospital um, for, I mean, here it's like seven to ten days where they can make, they can keep you, um, with, I guess they have to get a court order, but yeah, they can keep I you think, there. Yeah, I think there is something similar. It's not something I've, I've come across yet. Okay. Um, so we have... Um, like if it's yourself kind of coming forward with an issue, um, uh-huh. you'd go and see your GP. Okay. Um, so like your local doctor, then they can refer you to a, a local mental health unit, which hmm. again would be like you, you sort of walk in, have a chat or an appointment or something like that. They're really difficult to get into cause they're quite small. Um, but again, that's kind of based on you coming forward if okay. it's kind of the reverse where like you say someone's kind of coming out and um some sort of sectioning involved or something like that um then that usually comes through like say a family member or a friend sort of stepping in and they would um probably liaise with uh like an actual hospital or doctor um so I'd, i think there is some sort of step in that you can do in the uk and that would come into oh. sort of uh like a sectioning action but i'm not i'm not clear exactly on how that works um but I, I think there is something similar i just don't think it's and i could be very wrong about this um i don't think it's as common or as widely spoken about as it is over in america where um maybe it's to do with tv like that's quite a it's quite a well-known approach that could be used over there whereas yes, I don't unfortunately know that, yeah i don't know that many people would think um that that could or could easily happen here uh i think probably just because where, as we were talking about, as our health systems are so different, um, there's a huge draw um, on our health systems. Um, So places and opportunities to to seek um, that sort of medical support is sometimes very limited. So I think that's probably, that could be the the real reason behind the different approaches um, where they're not so proactive about kind of coming out and stepping in as such, um, because there's not as many opportunities to sort of hold or host people in a hospital. Yeah, that's definitely very different because here it's um, it's I don't agree with the system at all because it's very like you were saying, it could be very easy to get into that situation. It is very easy. You just have to say one thing wrong Mm. and you're and that's and you're, you know, you're spending the next week, maybe two weeks of your life um, institutionalized. And I've been through it twice um, and it's actually very traumatic. It doesn't help. It makes you worse. Mm. Um, I don't know. I can't speak for everyone. Of course, I, there are plenty of people I'm sure who go and they get put on medication that they weren't already on and they come out feeling better. Mm. But it, based on my two experiences, that's not often the case. Everyone that's there is just walking around saying, how long until I get out? How long until I get out? It's not helpful. Mm. Um, and it feels like prison. I've never been to prison, <laughs> thankfully, but it feels very much like you are imprisoned. And that's a very scary part 
Um, and I think one of the things that makes people, at least in America, afraid to speak up about maybe if they feel suicidal yeah. um, or, or something like that, you speak up about that, you might end up getting sent sent to a hospital. Yeah, I mean, I've had, um, I, I think one instance, I, I'm not sure if I've spoken about it before, where I had uh, a friend that I was kind of talking to for the first time about some of the issues that I had around mental health. And um, he was quite sort of... Um, Oh, I can't think of the word to describe his approach. It was still very friendly, um, but kind of a lot. It was quite an offensive, um, quite an offensive use of some of the language that he was using, and it wasn't on purpose. I think it's just a lack of knowledge. And he kind of okay. made, made a comment about, "Oh, if you continue like this, then there's going to be need for a straitjacket and stuff like that." Mm. And I think that's probably something that would be very real where you are where that's almost like a threat to you rather than yes, actually saying actually to you, yes, yes um look do you know what if 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 you get worse like maybe we need to look at sort of different support or help <laughs> it yeah, comes across as like well if you don't sort yourself that's... out we're going to step in and this is going to happen and think well yeah especially and... when you're talking to someone about <laughs> a difficulty within the mind and you're kind of <laughs> um like yeah. undermining the situation that they're in already right um, yeah, it is definitely a thing that people, it, it's, it's ammunition to use against someone, um, especially if you, cause one, it's almost like a criminal justice kind of system where if you get one strike, you know, if you've been in before yeah. the next, the next time it's even easier to, to be admitted. Um, and it's very, very traumatic. Uh, um, I got worse when I went through those, those, um, situations because they force you to take, you know, they, they force you to take medication they're putting needles in you, mm. you know, not to scare anyone who might be listening to this, but it's, it is scary though. And, um, I've always been interested in how that works in other countries. Um, and of course, like you were saying before, you can see that kind of thing in uh, American movies, mm. TV all the time. Um, and in some cases, like the straitjacket and the yelling and screaming, that kind of stuff, the, I didn't see that mm. um, where I was. But being there against your will and seeing a lot of people who um, just looking at them, a lot of people would say, oh, that person is crazy. That person's dangerous. Something like that. You are with a lot of people like that. Yeah. Like I had a roommate when I was in one of the hospitals who would steal from me Um Anytime I left the room, he would steal. You're not allowed to have very much of any of your own possessions, but clothing, things like that, he would steal. Mm. Um, got my roommate switched to someone else, and I would wake up sometimes with him just standing over me. And I would look up, and I would just turn around and be like, oh, I'm just going to pretend he's not there. Mm. And he would start talking in a demonic voice to someone who wasn't there while standing over my body mm. while while I was lying in bed. So very scary. So in a lot of ways, I looked at those things as a deterrent. Yeah. Um, don't, you know, it, it, it's like, don't do anything that might make you, make me have to end up in a place like that again. Mm. Stay off the grid, kind of stay at home, keep to myself. Don't, don't talk too much about how I'm feeling in case somebody takes it the wrong way. Mm. And that's unfortunately how it goes around here. Um, and then there's also a very, uh, very bad um, drug problem right now, especially heroin. 
And they combine people who are um, chemically like addicted to things like heroin with people who are mentally ill but not addicted to drugs or anything yeah. like that. They put them all into the same place. Um, so that's that makes it even more scary because the first time I went um, was about six and a half years ago. Mm. Um, I had never been through anything like that before. I had never done drugs. I still haven't um, and I probably never will. <laughs> But I'm all of a sudden thrown into the situation where there's people walking around going through drug withdrawals um, and they're violent and they're um, just – it's a very shocking thing to see mm. sud- suddenly going from – you know, I'm a nerdy – I've always been a nerdy guy my whole life sitting at home playing video games and watching, you know, Japanese anime and things like that. <laughs> and, Sounds like um, a pretty cool life to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is. I, I always enjoyed it. I'm also a social person as well or I was. Um, although surprisingly, I can still maintain friendships. You'd mm. be shocked staying at home. Um, there are those few people out there who care enough – to keep in contact with you, come visit you even, um, who are very understanding. And that's really important. Um, but before I was like this, I was a very social person. I was always out, um, doing normal people things. Um, and that, you know, that changed a lot, but, um, I actually forget what my train of thought was. (laughs) That's, that's a little bit of a, a side effect of, of, of everything. I think, um, like you were saying about, um, you've kind of gone into arguably what is a specialist unit to to deal with a, a mental health issue and then to be put in with um, those people that are suffering from potentially, right. I guess, a drug and alcohol addictions. Yes. Which I suppose you can argue here and there, but to me that's a very different um, challenge that those uh, yes. people are, are coming in with. And it sort of leads you to sort of question how how specialist is the treatment that's being given? Absolutely. If you've got people with such different mm. issues, and then um, I know that there are going to be challenges when if you've got someone that has, um, I know there's crossovers with things like anxiety and depression and and bipolar and issues um, around those, but there are similarities with with issues or of mental health, and I'm not sure or I'm not convinced um, that all issues around kind of drug taking and alcohol taking that it has as much of a crossover. I mean, there is, um, and I've seen that, but not, not to the extent where, like you say, once you're in a specialist unit, should you really be uh, sort of in the same area or the same group as those people? I'm not, I'd question how specialist that service yeah, is them being. Exactly. Cause you're not getting personalized service anyway. Uh, or treatment it's very it's very group based um everything involves you know you have two o'clock you have a class three o'clock you have a class everybody's got to be there all the people you know you're not talking personally about your issues you're learning general information that doesn't really help you Mm. and then once you're discharged they refer you to something called um what do they call intensive outpatient i believe it's called where five days a week on a kind of nine to five schedule, um, you go to a class with a group of, I, I, I haven't gone to it, so I don't know how many people are with you, but yeah. you go to a group and you do group therapy. And that to me has always seemed absurd. Um, I mean, maybe to learn general life skills, things like that, but mm. for a very specific illness, everyone is very different. Um, and you can't, you can't address an entire room of people 
and expect to solve all of their problems. You know, you need to have people being treated individually. Um, and there's just so many people, though, who have um, issues with mental illness that I, I don't know that many of them even have the um, the means to go see someone on their own. Mm. And these these things are free, I think, though. Um, free or close to free. Low cost, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's certainly better than nothing, but... Um, it's an interesting... I'd be really interested to... If there's somebody else listening to the podcast that has actually experienced this in the UK that knows a bit more than I do. Um, yeah. To, to get them to come on and have a chat a little bit more about the system that exists over here and how because it could be that it is very similar and I'm just not aware of it but um yeah. to me um when you said about like there being um the classes that you have to go when you're there and then sort of the workshops afterwards I mean I've been along to workshops and and like you say it's it's general information given to a lot of people with with different issues but I found that really useful but I went into that through choice and it wasn't sort of following on from a negative experience of yeah being exactly. forced to be enclosed with people <laughs> right um yeah. so the workshop that i went to um that i chose to go to <laughs> um <laughs> was a mixture of people um with different challenges but it was a set workshop for low mood so as a general census everyone that's in there is suffering from either um depression or anxiety or is heavily affected by those two things um and then I found it interesting to sort of hear about the different stories that they've got, um, some of the challenges that, that they had um, and the kind of the, the signs for them. And the, the mixture and the background of the people that were there was really interesting. I mean, I've got to admit, everyone there was white, <laughs> um, but that the age range and the background of the people that were there was very diverse. And that was quite reassuring that, you know, we have some of these like catchphrases, like it affects anyone and everyone and it doesn't matter how old you are or, um, but it's quite different when you actually see those people sat in a room together and realize that Absolutely. there's, um, a young guy that's probably around sort of 17, 18. Um, and, um, I think she was a grandma, um, that was in there that's talking about how, like when her grandchildren used to come around, she'd sort of sing and dance with them in the kitchen and that doesn't happen anymore. And like just a huge mm. sort of spectrum of, um, where they are in their lives and they're still affected by something that is, is very similar and a very similar challenge for them. Um, so to be able to see that in a workshop, I found really interesting but i have to agree that it's not a case of it's not really working on on you or your issues um where i was quite fortunate that i had sort of follow-up one-to-one support after that which then made better use of the information that i'd been given in the workshop but if that was it if the workshop was it then i don't know that i would have had a huge amount to take from that exactly yes so to think that you you've been in a situation where someone says okay you're bad enough that we need to step in now <laughs> they put you into a situation that they know you don't want to be in um and they give you let's say some general information um that is applicable to some extent give you um a load of stuff that you probably don't know a huge amount about 
Um, so they're giving you drugs and treatment that you haven't had a chance to look into or find out about before you've been forced to take it. <laughs> then send you out there and say, make sure you come back to this workshop that will still be non-specific. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And then after that, we expect you to be improved. <laughs> yeah. Like, you think, where in there was the um, like the positive information or the good experience <laughs> meant to support me? <laughs> none, none of it. I assure you, none of it. Um, you have no, but what you were saying about being able to see all the different people that's my favorite part yeah uh, of all of it if there if you could find a favorite part in mental illness mm. uh, so to speak is people's stories people's individual stories there's a, there's a lot of beauty in it mm. uh almost um to be able to see the things exactly like what you were talking about about the grandmother and and things like that there's just um cuz every <clears throat> everyone who doesn't quite understand um, what a lot of us are going through looks at us all as just one single entity of crazy people. Mm. They don't see the individual. They don't see the the life that maybe is getting left behind um, because of suffering, yeah. because of not getting help that's needed, so on and so forth. They forget that we're people and just the same as them, just with difficulties. And a lot of those people, too, are dealing with their own issues that they don't really know are issues. Mm. Like I've met a lot of people who um, I actually know a girl who when I first met her, she just thought she had bipolar. And the more and more I talked to her, I said, because I mean, I've done a lot of research and so on and so forth. Um, I said, it sounds to me and I'm no expert so you're going to want to talk to your psychiatrist it sounds to me like you have borderline personality disorder and sure enough she came back with a diagnosis of that exact disorder um within a month maybe and it was shocking to me like oh i just diagnosed somebody <laughs> uh, i've been i've been through this so much with people um and i have no you know i've got one semester of college under my belt you learn um, a lot in that semester. Well, I, mean, I guess so. <laughs> the the funny thing is, I wasn't even taking any classes on psychology. I was taking uh, a lot of the ones that like math and things that they force you to take first. Uh, the only interesting class that I took was about was about um, like chiropractic and um, acupuncture. Okay. And that was actually very interesting because there's a lot of things involved in that that's supposed to be useful for. Uh, all kinds of conditions, but it's not something I ever got to try because it's very, it's very expensive and it's not covered mm. by insurance. So, um, yeah, I don't know though. There's the speaking about the whole group uh, therapy thing. Mm. Like I was saying, not for me, but I on Facebook or maybe every day almost I see somebody mention, you know, today I'm going to a to a meeting. Mm. Uh, sometimes when they say meeting, though, they're referring to like um, Narcotics Anonymous. I, do you have yeah. something? Is that? Yeah, in... we have um, Alcoholics Anonymous. So AA. Yeah, that that too. AA and and NA is for like heroin and all of that. But um, people, a lot of people I've seen go to these groups and they they enjoy it a lot. Yeah. It seems like, but I don't think that they've gone through the all of the like <laughs> like you were mentioning before all of the the pre trauma before ending up in in that group setting um but it, i'm sure it can be helpful yeah i think like we we're saying it's that opportunity isn't it just to talk to other yes. people work out that um 
you're you're not actually alone that there are other people that have gone through not necessarily the same but potentially very similar experiences um and just have the opportunity like you say to to talk through with someone that maybe maybe it's easy because you you don't know them personally to start off with that that person's you have less of a concern that that person's going to be judgmental because you feel like oh, they've gone through something similar so um, they're they're not going to judge me when maybe the other people in your life wouldn't judge you anyway but sometimes um i think that, that there's no arguing that there is um a negative sort of impression there is stigma around mental health but i think sometimes as well sort of although we we all sort of stand up and talk about it sometimes we hold that within ourselves as well and i think it's that case of you sort of you you worry about other people's reaction and you almost judge them a little bit before they judge you and i know that's it's a horrible thing to say but i know i've done that with some of my friends and i hold back because i judge their ability to take in and to understand some of the stuff that i go through yeah um, yeah it's it's tough for other people hmm. to 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 load any of that um unload any of that onto them especially when they haven't haven't been through it although uh just to to mention real quick there is also a type of person uh i guess i'll call it right now the elitist mentally ill um which i have a friend who would be one of these she has something similar to what i have yep but she overcame a lot of it so she she's one of those people where you know if you tell any of your issues to her She'll say, I, I don't want to hear it because I went through this and I got over it. Oh, and no. that means and that means that you have to do it, too. Yeah. You can't complain. And, you know, that doesn't help. That no, is not no. helpful. She's actually a very mean person, if I'm being honest. <laughs> she's she's never going to hear this. So that's fine. I won't, <laughs> I won't say her name anyway. But she's a very mean person. And she ha- I'm not somebody who gets my feelings hurt yeah. very easily or anything like that. But she has definitely this is one of those people who knows how to just stick a knife in your back and twist mm, uh, i i don't know someone like that but i've i've heard you're through, fortunate. <laughs> through other people that have experienced something similar to yourself and i just i think it hurts more because you feel like this is someone that's gone through that and you know how hard that is and how exactly. much you you worry about like the judgment from other people or someone trying to understand what you've gone through and you're like you've gone through all that and now you're you're still yeah. doing that. Yeah, you have to wonder how they can be, cru- you know, cruel like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think of. I think the last time um, I heard or possibly read a story similar to this, um, the person that recovered recovered quite quickly, um, and it was over sort of a six. Oh, I know. Yeah, okay, it's come back into my mind now. Um, <laughs> so it was to do with it was to do with MS. Um, And I talked to someone that's been affected by this for a long time. And she had been, I think she was involved in a a conversation with somebody else that had been affected um, and that had changed their, I think they changed their diet over to this like all fruit diet or something like that. And um, she was singing the praises of that and said her MS had improved dramatically. Um, She felt so much better, was so much more able to cope with her day to day life. And it was all down to the fact that she'd changed her diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and my friend that's experienced this for a long time said, yeah, you, do, do you know what, if you, if you did do that, yes, it would improve you, but only a slight amount. Um, 
and if it's made that much of a difference she said that's great for that person um but from what she'd said previously she hadn't experienced um as many lows and it hadn't been for as long exactly sort of feel like oh because you've had quite quite a quick and not to say it's been easy for her but you know it's a different challenge um Mm -hmm. and she feels like oh because i've done it and i've overcome it like this why don't you do what i did and then you can sort of move on i think exactly what i'm saying yeah that's That's spot on not that understanding that i I don't know maybe you gain it from if you're you're more invested and you sort of read around um and talk to different people like it sounds like you've done as well and you hear different people's stories and realize you know some people are, are really affected by small things and other people can deal with big things and um i always come back to like the example of um so if if i get a paper cut um, and you get hit by a car, most people are going to assume that you're going to be more affected. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, it could be that you are only physically injured and you recover from that after, say, six months, whereas maybe the paper cut has some deeper, meaningful thing for me, and that like could that. affect me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the physical pain is, is not comparable in that you're clearly going to have worse. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but the, the offset from that could be that the, the event itself causes a lot more injury to me um, than, than you incur. And I think it's, it's that mindset that sort of fits into, oh, it's whatever we can see, not what we can understand. Yeah, I mean, people as individuals have very different capacities to... Uh, cope with to tolerate different types of pains and Mm. stress and so on and so forth and that's that's where degrees of severity come into play and most of the people who will um who will say oh you know i've had anxiety before but uh i got over it mind over matter yeah uh you know just be positive things like that often are not um helpful to people who are really 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 suffering um, because you have generally tried those kinds of things before. Mm. Um, of, I've tr- of course I've tried to be positive. Of course I've, I've tried, you know, meditation. I've tried medication. I've tried all of these things. It's not like people will look at you like, Oh, you must not have tried hard enough. That's th- those are things that I've, I've heard yeah. said, said to me before, even when losing friends, I can't be your friend anymore because I don't like how you are ill and you're not helping yourself. Those people don't understand what it takes just to get through a day. Yeah. And that's very important um, to me for people I know to understand um, when they're, especially when they're going to be judging, Mm. is that it takes so much energy and strength, strength for anyone to talk about it, to live with it. Um, And it's very degrading and demeaning when people uh, tell you. Oh, just get better. You're not strong enough. Things like that. Um, and it's shocking how many people will just say things like that. No, no holds barred. Just, mm. oh, I'm, I'm doing this for your own good. I'm going to, I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to be honest. Um, you just need to, you need to do this. You need to do that. People will treat you like you're broken yeah. and you're something to be fixed. And that is never, ever helpful in my experience anyway. I think I I can understand where where that view comes from sometimes because I feel like I felt like that about myself initially. Um, 
when when I started to sort of realise that there was like um, an issue with myself, I felt like I needed um, I needed like a label. I needed to know what's what's the the issue that I have because once I've got that label, then I can find out how to work on that and how to improve it. And you become very, I think, maybe it's a personality thing. I'm not sure, but I feel like it was very task orientated around um working out what it is trying to improve it get better um and i think sometimes you get a natural reaction like that from from someone that hasn't experienced it before but the difference is that when you do it to yourself it, it is you doing it to yourself <laughs> yeah um, you're allowed to do yeah that. <laughs> yeah um and it's not coming from somebody else and yeah, usually you by have the time, permission to be yeah. highly critical of yourself yeah when you turn around and you're like do these jeans or does this t-shirt look good on me? You don't mind looking in the mirror and going, do you know what? I look like a fool, but I'm happy with that. <laughs> but if someone else says it to you, it comes across a little bit differently. <laughs> oh, yeah. They yeah, they come off to be like a jerk. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think for me, I, I, I can kind of understand where that reaction comes from, but it also then leads me to to feel like, like kind of you're touching on with um, either this person sort of doesn't really understand and then it's that judgment call of um, do I feel like I can sit down with you honestly and having had that negative reaction from you um, really tell you about what's going on so mm. I feel like you can then start to understand or yeah. does that now make me feel like either we can't be friends or we can be friends but basically I can't talk to you about this which is a very personal thing to me and really involves That's exactly it. and it's going to involve kind of everything that I do to some extent, which then yeah. just eventually <laughs> I think leads to your, your relationships decreasing really. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's spot on. I've, I've had quite a few friends where I, just like you were saying, I'm not allowed to talk about my personal issues and that's so much of my life that it becomes what am I even going to talk about with you anymore yeah. we don't have we don't really have anything else in common right now you know like some people they just had maybe they just had a baby or they're they're getting married these are things that I am not involved in I'm dealing with trying to get my life together and they don't want to hear about it I'm not allowed to say anything or they you know they get touchy yeah so you lose contact with those people you you get you know um you grow apart mm. and you lose a lot of friends and yeah. uh, but then I don't know the people who are very mean about it I view that always as it's some kind of some kind of projection mm. um, and so often it's very true the people who um, feel the need to pick apart oh this thing's wrong with you you need to you need to fix it um, I mean the a they're controlling people usually the, the ones who tell you you need to fix what's wrong with you. B, yes, they're generally ignorant. Um, and maybe if they knew more about it, they wouldn't be the same way. But then C, they're almost always dealing with something of their own. Yeah. And they are projecting that onto you. Mm. <clears throat> I think it's, it's uh, I don't know, because of the, I guess, the type of conversations and awareness that, um, people like ourselves will have I think sometimes when you're talking to, to people like that or to friends like that there is that understanding that maybe other people won't necessarily have being judgmental <laughs> um, yes <laughs> is, is that um, when someone has that negative reaction we do think do you know what maybe it's not that you're um, you're being an absolute annoying dick <laughs> maybe it is um, 
that you you just don't understand this and you don't feel comfortable talking about it at the moment. And right. maybe for me, I've had a few months to get used to this and I'm now trying to talk to you at a level that's taken me time to build up to. And I'm suddenly talking to you for the first time about it at a level that you're not ready to talk about. Or equally, like you say, it could be that they've got their own thing either going on or has previously gone on before. And for that reason, they don't now want to talk about say depression because someone in their family has maybe self-harmed or committed suicide previously um and that has had a a negative effect on the on the way that they view and will talk about um mental health and that's something that you're not aware of yeah and i think you you kind of think about those things when like i say being judgmental (laughs) the person that's in that situation probably wouldn't (laughs) have those sort of thoughts and they're just like (laughs) This person is is very strange. I don't understand how they're thinking, and they need to be sorted out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more or less. Yeah. Um, and I realised then, as I was talking, I said committed suicide again. I've, I read this article. Um, oh, it was a few months ago about the fact that no one's committed suicide for like a hundred years or something because it's um, that's when it was when it was a crime that's when you committed oh, suicide yeah. when it was a crime right. and they're saying it's, <laughs> it's meant to be something else now i can't think how you how you phrase it um but they were saying that's where the terminology comes from when it was illegal and so you can't commit um in that yeah, way it's and it's all those, yeah I, guess, I mean i guess you call it taking taking your own yeah. life something like that it's all those little terminologies that you kind of become aware of um and slightly away from mental health one that i got the other week was um we were talking um, at work about transgender toilets. And uh, we had an issue where we were trying to talk through and there was um, certain members of the group that said, oh, um, the toilets are perceived in that way and so we can't have um, males using female toilets because they don't keep them as clean. (laughs) And as this conversation is going on, we talk about sort of um, the disabled toilet and how that should be used as a, like that could be used as an all gender toilet. Um, and it kind of came into my mind afterwards. I was like, I've always tried to call it an access toilet because I believe that if I want to go to the toilet, I can use that toilet. It's just a, it's like a seat on a train. It's priority to someone that has um, a disability that requires a toilet. Um, and <laughs> you, you know what I call that toilet? I call that toilet the best toilet. The best. <laughs> it's spacious and it's usually the cleanest. Oh yeah, it's always the cleanest. <laughs> and um, I was like, right, just thinking to myself in my in my mind, I was like, so it's called a disabled toilet. I was like, how is a toilet disabled? <laughs> I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, does it not flush yeah. properly? Or? I was like, surely, if anything, it's the it's the it's the least disabled because it's got <laughs> the best access. Yes. Like, where's this? I was like, where's the terminology come up to start off with? I was, surely, it's like, if it wants to be for disabled people and they don't want to call it an access toilet, surely it's like a an all gender or all ability or a, a toilet for disabled. I don't know, but a disabled <laughs> toilet just feels weird. I was like, as yeah, soon as I started thinking it about it, I was like, <laughs> I'm trying to think if that's if that's what they call it. Uh, actually, I think here they call it ha- maybe handicapped toilet. Uh, but that still this basically the same implies thing. that there's something wrong with the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, this toilet's not quite good enough for the uh, the main toilet. <laughs> now, do they have over there? Do they have the picture of a like the a stick figure guy. in a wheelchair? Oh, yeah, we have the wheelchair guy. Okay, um, yeah, the wheelchair guy. Yeah, which I always um, kind of feel bad though when I would like because young um, when I was younger, anytime I'd go to the mall, 
because of my anxiety issues, I have, you know, irritable bowel syndrome. And anytime I'd go to the mall with my mom, I'd be like, mom, I have to go find a bathroom and running to the bathroom. When I would go in there, there would be that beautiful, sparkling, clean, shining, disabled toilet. And it would be the only one open maybe sometimes too. And I would go in there and most of the time, no issue, but every once in a while you hear a wheelchair rolling in and I'm in there and I'm like, oh no, what have I done? Somebody in a wheelchair is coming in here right now and needs this toilet and I'm in here. Yeah. And, you know, I felt bad about it, but um, it's it's the nicest one. I don't know. It's the understand. It's so spacious. Yeah. I mean, and yes, sometimes there's a, there's a changing table in there too, though. So like you'll go in there and there'll be a, a, a father, you know, changing their, their, uh, their son's diaper or something yeah. like that. But yeah, there's definitely nothing disabled about the toilet. I will tell you that. <laughs> it's that <laughs> understanding, isn't it? I think like you say about, because that image is used, it's almost yeah. like, cool. Well, yeah. If you've got some sort of, um, walking disability this toilet's for you but if you've got any other type of disability well no <laughs> you should be going <laughs> and using that, the, yeah, that you're, you're not allowed that reminds me you're not disabled enough <laughs> <laughs> do you know um you know stephen colbert i no i feel like i uh, recognize he's a, he's, a no, com- he's a comedian and he yeah. hosts one of the late shows in america but he was just at the um the republican national convention okay um, and he he went to it dressed up as uh, the, the 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 funny guy with the with the blue hair from the Hunger Games. Oh uh, yeah, um, I, I can't think of his name. It's is it like Caesar? It's Caesar something, isn't it? It's something like that. Yeah, and he went yeah. he went in there dressed as that, and he was walking around, and he made he made some kind of joke about how North Carolina, um, their state seats were positioned near the toilets so that they can make sure that they don't see any transgender people walking in. Oh. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, um, and then he, you know, he went up on stage and he was, he said something like, I know, I know I'm not supposed to be up here, but let's face it. Neither is Donald Trump, <laughs> 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 which I, th- I thought was one of the funniest things I've heard this whole, oh. I, I, I assume you, uh, the rest of the world sort of follows American politics. Cause it's almost like a reality TV yeah, show. I mean, I it's had horrific. something the other day that said um, uh, that American politics requires someone that's like a comedy politician every sort of third cycle. <laughs> and that's how you ended up with sort of George W. Bush and then you end up with yeah. Donald Trump. Yeah, he was a different kind of comedian. Yeah, he was like, uh, comedian. They, need, they, need, they need something like that. Yeah, and then that okay. that ridiculousness comes out, and then they have someone that can do the job properly for a little while, and then they get bored of that, so they need the entertainment again. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, we can be this... really judgmental about that, but we have the same. But ours is instead of someone that's sort of funny and ridiculous, we get someone that can't manage money, <laughs> <laughs> so we get into sort of real debt, real issues. Someone else comes in and sorts it all out, and everyone moans about the fact that everything's been cut, but we're sorted uh-huh. out, and then someone else loans it all. So ours is all finance based usually. Oh yeah, well we th- we know a thing or two about debt over here. I yeah. would say <laughs> Ugh, it's it's a very. I mean, if we're going to get in, into politics a little bit, it's very corrupt and just a terrible thing. And I I took part in this entire like the process of nominating. Okay. Uh, I, do you have you have like a party system in the UK? Yeah. It, so it's um, like we have uh, like Labour 
um, conservative, liberal Democrats. Okay. So I think my understanding i don't get the whole i don't understand like the left and the right and all that sort of business my understanding uh, is it's, it's a similar process so you have two main parties yes um, two main parties that and argue separate sides and, and green party yeah. yeah so um our two main would be um labor and conservative so i think they're meant to match up with your two main parties huh. um but we have our our smaller parties have grown larger um, I think mainly because there's been this sort of discontent um, around uh, politics, uh, politicians, especially in okay. this country. Um, so the smaller parties have grown. Uh, however, those two main parties are still the, the two main parties. Now, are those smaller parties allowed to take part in all of the like debates and things like that? Yeah, so it's always um, focused around the, the two main parties, but the smaller parties have a say. So we have, huh. our, I think our general elections are every, oh, I think it's every four years. Same here, yeah. Yeah, and um, so you have, I think it's every two years, you have local elections Okay. Yeah, for like a, a, a local uh, MP to represent your area. Then when the national election happens, you have a representative for your, uh, I think it's for your, I'm not sure if it's like a county or I'm not sure quite how that one works, but for your area. So again, so I like, think you have like a, for states. Okay. That's like a senator, I guess, yeah, like here. I think it's the same sort of thing to that level. Okay. Um, and then whoever wins the most of those seats is usually um, they become the party that leads the government. Oh, that's very similar then to, to the US, sort of. So we had, uh, not the last election, but the one previous, the two main parties were very close with their representatives. So the, I think, I can't remember if it was the one that was in first or second, um, actually partnered up with the party that were in third place. Huh. Um, to create a, a stronger, um, they still remained as two separate parties, but they went into power together. That's incredible. Um, so they had more of a majority to pass through um, laws while they were in power, which led to a lot of kind of infighting on different topics. And one of mm. those, the the smaller party that had joined, um, one of their policies was that tuition fees for our universities um, would be decreased. Hmm. Um, and had always fought for them to sort of be non-existent, uh, but the fees increased. <laughs> so you can see, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> not everything that the smaller party wanted, they got. Um, yeah, unfortunately, the but that's the, the way smaller it, party usually has the best interest in mind, and they have yeah. the, the smallest ability to to, um, to get any of that done. Yeah. Like right now, I don't know if you've heard of Bernie Sanders. I I know the name. He he was an independent senator mm. um, in Vermont, the state of Vermont, and he decided to run for president as a Democrat. So he was going up against Hillary Clinton for this entire uh, the, the the process. They they nominate each party nominates somebody who will then go on yeah. to face face the other party. He has been competing um, all along against Hillary Clinton. He's who I voted for. Um, he's the one who wants to. Sim you were talking about the free free college tuition. Yeah. He's he's the one who wants to bring um, free public university. Um, finally, proper you know healthcare for everyone. Yeah. Uh, you know, living minimum wage, things like that. Um, and he, I mean, there's a lot to it. A lot of um, 
corruption and a lot of infighting like you were talking about and everything. But at the end of the day, it seems like it's going to be Hillary Clinton uh, who gets nominated and then it becomes a matter of maniac versus maniac, Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump, two liars, two people who – and this to me ties into mental illness because neither of those people are really going to do very much to help with healthcare. Yeah. Which is something that we so desperately need. I mean, most major countries in the world have some kind of um, free healthcare. Because I believe, just like um, many people believe, that that's a right, that you shouldn't have to die. You shouldn't have to suffer because you can't pay for it. Um, so my, I remember hearing something about uh, Obama was trying to do something with healthcare, but I can't remember. Well, yeah, that's something that we have now. That's they they call it Obamacare. Okay. Uh, it's called the Affordable Care Act, and basically it allows um, a, a good portion of very low income people to be included uh, on Medicaid, which is the uh, type of insurance you get if you're disabled. Okay. Um, and then there's another type of insurance called Medicare, which is what you get when you be when you retire when you're a senior citizen, and that one is the kind of one that um, Bernie Sanders is trying was trying to I guess still is trying to really he hasn't conceded you know defeat yet, mm. but um, that would cover everyone. Everyone would be able to. That's probably similar to what you have in the yeah. UK and like what Canada has and I think Sweden, a lot of different countries. Mm. Um, but what we have right now, if you live in poverty, you get it for free generally. But it doesn't really. It covers very minimal. Um, yeah procedures medications have to be generic um mental health there's very little you have to go to like a clinic kind of uh only the really the places where you can do the groups not really the one-on-one okay um you don't get to go see a therapist each week really and you know talk out your problems personally um and that is free for a, a small majority or a small portion of the country and then it's supposed to make some form of healthcare more affordable for other citizens and it works to some degree but then right now there's all kinds of fighting about that where you know because if Donald Trump is elected he's going to get rid of that Mm. Uh, and then I don't know what happens because I know a lot of people that that's the only reason they even get to take their kids to the doctor uh, or go to the doctor themselves is because of that Affordable Care Act and uh, that's uh, that's something that they've been fighting about. I think it's been out for between like four and eight years now. And the entire time, it's just been a constant source of fighting and bickering. He's, and to me, he's like an old school businessman, though, in that that type of kind of care or consideration is not something that kind of comes into that into that Trump mindset yeah yeah he's he's a, he's a maniac he, he is that sort of thing like because in my mind like a uh like a modern let's say a modern stereotyping a modern <laughs> businessman um would understand the benefit of like say a good healthcare system where people are happier and healthier and more productive yes, exactly whereas an old school um, businessman is very much about the task, the target, hitting those, someone that's underperforming. You don't mm. look at how or why that is. You just get rid of them and replace them with somebody else. Exactly. And I, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if there was an opinion of, of certain people <laughs> that actually, do you know what, if there are people with 
problems and issues. Do you know what? We're just going to leave them to sort themselves out and we'll focus Ugh. on the people that are still here. And you know, that might not be their view, but I feel like you, I wouldn't be ridiculously surprised to read that. You probably will read that. To me. <laughs> because so give it a couple of weeks until they come into it, the last part of the election. <laughs> that is essentially the Republican Party mm. in a lot of ways is they want if to really boil it down. Democrats want more government. Republicans want less government. But Republicans want more military. You know, they want to spend more money on military, things like that, and less on the people. Mm. Whereas Democrats, it's more about less war, more public funding, more um, putting money into schools and, and, you know, the environment, global warming, all that kind of stuff. Um, And both, to be honest with you, both sides are full of it in most cases. They don't actually deliver what they promise, and that's politics in general. Mm. But sometimes they do. Um, I feel like that's probably a reason why um, I've always been more, although you have sort of a general interest in what's going on, I felt a lot more interested in the when I, we have our local elections because I feel like you can see a real outcome from that. Um, I've always like I've always voted for the same party over here because mm-hmm. one of their things has always been about keeping school playing fields, so having okay. that sort of open green space, and it's probably like a small thing that sits within their policies. And there's always a different <laughs> stuff that goes on. And like, you know, as long as you've got that in there, like that's something that I associate with. And like I've, um, as a young person, I've been to school, and uh, right. I work in education, so I, I like I have chances sometimes to go and visit schools or interact with schools, and you see the benefit of of having that outside space and not oh, having that built on. Um, and when we yeah. are, especially in comparison to yourself, when we are a really really small country and our population is increasing, and space becomes very on demand, to um, keep up that fight to keep those open spaces especially for for i think young people as our our schools and um the academic style seems to increasingly be becoming academic and not necessarily kind of vocational or practical Uh, and that's unfortunate very Um, unfortunate yeah and you see it's just it's a it's a difficult way for i feel like it's just one of those things like i guess like anything that fine that's going to suit some people um and they'll really um flourish in that environment but for a lot of people um at an early stage when you're meant to be providing them with in my view kind of a a base the whole point of school is to give you a base level of knowledge and understanding of as much as possible yeah you then progress with with a basic level to basically live and work but Mm -hmm. that you can decide if i want to carry on and learn or go into a career in a certain field what are the things that i'm interested in and gradually build on that as you go through education so it becomes more specific but to do that you need to be given everything in the first place if i've been (laughs) turned off by education because to me education or school is sitting in a class and reciting stuff and i'm like well maybe i really want to i could be a really good mechanic or um like a zoologist or something but i've never been involved with any kind of practical outside of the classroom stuff how would Hmm. you ever know or kind of experience that so now they don't have any kind of vocational training while you're in school in the uk not really you can get it at our college level um so 16 to 20 
um, you would get that kind of opportunity. But when you're in uh, main mainstream uh, like primary or secondary school, so uh, for us that's up to 16 years, um, you you don't really get a vocational option. So if you're interested in things like mechanics, um, the closest you're going to get is to maybe have some sort of experience in a wood in like a wood shop room or something like that. Oh, that's very. That's something that's very different then, because, I mean, yeah, like they have all over here. They have all the different types of wood shop and and you know power mechanics mm. and you know building engines, all kinds of stuff. But then, uh, in high school, high school here is ninth, um, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade. That's until you're about seventeen or eighteen years okay. old. Is around when you graduate. Um, you can start doing vocational training if you are if you're somebody who decided when you're I, I don't know what grade they start doing maybe tenth grade so you're around fifteen I think in tenth grade oh, okay. you can start say a girl like a lot of girls I knew when I was in school they wanted to become nurses they knew right away they wanted to be a nurse there's a program for that hmm. you still go to school normally but then you are also going to take those vocational training courses and I think they count as like college credits while okay. you're still in school. And then they have other things, all the other, you know, uh, if you want to be a plumber, you want to be an electrician, you want to be a mechanic. They have all those sorts of things while you're still in, uh, in high school. And that's something I think that definitely still needs to be expanded upon because not everyone wants to go to college. Mm. Um, not everyone can go to college either. It's, you know, you know, um, 60 to a hundred, thousand dollars in debt when yeah. you're done um which i don't know what that translates in, into what you use euros or uh, uh we're pounds not, not anymore i guess yeah. <laughs> after a, after a little bit but, uh, <laughs> i was gonna say whatever whatever it was about three weeks ago just double it now <laughs> oh man what a mess what a oh, mess that is it's just ridiculous i was I, I i have to admit i i agreed with some of the points that they had about leaving the euro but but a good point to leave it on and uh, if you're interested in continuing to listen to myself and Janny chat through uh, a few other topics um, do tune in for episode 16 which will be the second part of the podcast and give you a chance to hear a little bit more from Danny himself and as I say the conversation does roll on and I very much enjoyed having it hopefully you guys are enjoying listening into the podcast and listening into the stories that have been shared as well if you are interested in coming onto the podcast or just sharing and being involved um, do make sure you check out the website which is far too long for me to remember so i'll just add that into the description or uh, like i say get onto twitter where um, is where a lot of the connections uh, i'm making and meeting people that are coming onto the show is happening so the podcast is on twitter as at open underscore journal underscore and you can find out a little bit of information on what's going on on there it'd be lovely to have more of you coming on and chatting to us about the different stories and experiences you've had so like i say hopefully you're enjoying the podcast and we'll be right back with episode 16 very very soon so thanks for listening and remember you're not alone out there <laughs>